Welcome to the Safety Doc Podcast with author, radio host, and nationally recognized safety expert, Dr. David Perodin. Join us each week as we discuss the best and most bizarre practices in safety preparation and crisis response. Follow Dr. Perodin on Twitter at SafetyPhD. And remember, the truth will keep you safe. This is Dr. David Proden, and I want to thank you as we begin another journey into school and community safety. If you're looking for industrial safety expert, Appalachian State University professor, Dr. Timothy Ludwig, please visit www.safety-doc.com. Again, that's Dr. Timothy Ludwig at www.safety-doc.com. Dot com. Hi everybody, this is Dr. David Proden and welcome to the Safety Doc Podcast. Today I have security expert Trip Elix on the show. Trip, welcome to the Safety Doc Podcast. Thank you very much, David. I'm excited to be here. So it is crazy right now. We have another breach in um, Equifax and the, the big three. We're hearing more data is being stolen. Uh, Facebook Everybody's on Facebook, right? Facebook is indicating, oh, they've been harvesting different data sets, including um, text messages and phone calls and things like that. And all of this is coming out right now. And this is the world we live in. So um, I know you have done so much, including publications, presentations in this area. That's why I believe you're going to be able to offer a ton to the listeners today. So Trip, tell me about you. Sure. Well, um, I got totally disgusted at the amount of information being collected. I am a security analyst. And what my job is, is to secure companies. And I'm one of those guys that can look at packets and know where they're going from. Fortunately, most of these applications, and one of the things that confuse a lot of people that I really want to put out there first so that everybody knows exactly what I'm talking about all the way through this. Right. A, everything is a program. So when you run a web browser on your cell phone, that is a program. You call it an app there, but it's a program. It may have linkage libraries that get called. But those are also pieces of a program. When we talk about a virus or malware or even spyware that was created by data pimps, by the way, that so when you have a virus that is not just meant on destruction, in other words, it's going to scramble your computer up. Um, malware and viruses all are big fans, or at least are creators of Steven Spielberg for some reason, because okay. they all call home like E.T. Uh, it makes it easier to pick them off because eventually they all dial back to the creator. Right. And that's how you can tell. Well, unfortunately, when you browse on the Internet, there can be up to 50 companies tracking what you're doing in your own web browser. 
using your connection, using your bandwidth, using your mobile minutes or, uh, or gigabytes that you pay for. And these consume data, and I just got tired of trying to figure out who each one of these guys was. Um, so when, so did you, when did you jump in and really say, I'm going to take this on, I'm going to become um, a, a public advocate to go up against this? When did you do that? About, about eight months before I was a victim of identity theft. I live in a middle-class neighborhood. And on one side of me, I have a woman that has four kids. She lives alone. On the other side of me, I have a doctor and his wife and a little boy that looks like he's 11 or 12 because they play catch every once in a while in the yard. And we were all victims of identity theft. Crazy. 250 people, everybody that lives on my street and a couple others, were all victims of identity theft because a group of thieves bought our information from a data broker wow. and signed us up for a service so that we would receive a new cell phone that was supposed to be mailed through FedEx. My local police department arrested the FedEx driver. They didn't invent this, by the way. These, this group or gang did this in four other states, and the FBI had called them. So you said they bought um, the data. How, wh tell me about this data broker where they get this data. Of, of Because here's here's what I'm thinking, Trip. Right now, when you said that, the first thing I was thinking is, we, in our neighborhood, two years ago, everything went wireless for how much water you're consuming. So it just you know sends a little signal to the whatever, or they drive a truck around and it, it registers. And this is how, many, how much water at your residence, David. And they used to have the meter reader, but so I was thinking, oh, this must have been a hack where they went in and, and that they worked somehow through the system. But no, somehow they got this data set. So, so tell me more about this this data set before we go. Well, on. I mean, I'm curious. I, I, I want to know because this could this could be me. Well, well, you know, the thing is, data brokers. You mentioned earlier when we were talking, the inventor of data brokers was this company that's now called Equifax. Originally, they were called Retail Credit, I think. And they were the first seller in the United States of personal data. Eventually, it got turned into a credit report number after they had been so vicious to actually deny anybody that wasn't white and male of having credit in the right. 1970s that changed and um uh, because of the civil rights movement the women's rights movements this all changed the credit industry quote unquote and it made things a little bit better but they were still um reports of um credit companies hiring private investigators to go through people's garbage to figure out who they are. Um, after we got the internet, a lot of this stuff stopped, but started new by viruses and a new variant called spyware that was being sent to computers over the internet. And I don't yeah. know if you remember this, but 
it was such a bother that the antivirus guys didn't want to touch the spyware because for one, it was major industry, major corporations that were putting the thing out and sure. they were paying them off basically, okay. I, I think. Yeah. So another industry popped up called the anti-malware application and that carried over into spyware, but eventually spyware got included. So now when you go to a uh, store, a big box store, and you buy a new tablet, you buy a new phone, or you buy a new computer, you may find applications that are pre-installed oh, yeah, by, yeah. by the manufacturer or the retailer that have spyware components in them. Right. In other words, things that steal because you didn't sign up for permission, this steal the names of your documents, the names of your photos, if not the photos themselves, right. where you go on the internet. Um, and you can re easily remove these things. Uh, there's one old one that used to uh, pop up in the anti-malware programs and got eliminated called Wild Tangent. It's a video game system that comes pre-installed on a lot of PCs. Okay. So, Trip, coming back to you and your neighbor, your two neighbors and, and kind of whole neighborhood getting zapped with, with um, you know, the, this this group stealing your data. I guess, um, is it like a, how, how do they get this data set? Is it like census data? I mean, how would it, how would it consolidate? all of you that closely? Well, there, there are different types of data brokers. And one of the things in my past is I was a skip tracer. So before there was an internet, I used to buy information on people. I'm looking for people that were hiding from the court system or hiding from right. bounty hunters or uh, private investigators. I worked for a company and people called my company and we would find where that individual was. Um, you find it through things like the local phone company in my state, I happen to be in Connecticut, had two directories. It had the public directory, which everybody was okay. really blackmailed into being oh, into. Right. right, yeah. Okay, extortion 101, you, extortion means if you don't do something, I'm going to do something to you. That is extortion. Right. So when you go to a store and get a loyalty card because they're going to charge you $4 for a stick of gum without a loyalty card or it's 75 cents, right. you take your pick. So how do you get around the loyalty card thing? Use somebody else's. Photocopies work really well. So if you got a, um, like one of the big companies that's out there for drugstores, they give coupons right at the register. So if you really run up, in other words, you share that card with 15 people that are like really super active in that chain. It doesn't matter if they're even in the same state. 
that machine will kick out coupons for like a half an hour when you're standing there. Okay. <laughs> wow. So you hit the lottery, literally, at this store. You can get free soda, free chips. Uh, we got 25 people on the exact same card number. All we did was photocopy the card and then glue it to the bottom of the card that they give out. So right. the clerk just swipes the barcode right. and you hear, ba-da-ding, ba-da-ding. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I totally get what you're saying. I totally get what you're saying. And you sh- everybody has this. Um, thing where they got to have it for themselves, share this stuff. It messes up the brokers. Okay. So really, it, that's the way to fight back is, is that. And by the way, the, the thing that I also did is I created a petition and I stuck it online about the identity theft stuff. Right. It's on my, um, it's on a blog post. It's actually on uh, change.org, but you can find okay. the role, uh, the uh, blog post on my website, tripelix.com slash blog. It's uh, about identity theft, and you can find the, the link there. If you want to sign a petition that goes to every member of the Senate and House Banking Committee, because the way you're supposed to set up a petition with change.org as you sign up the petition and then you designate who the petition goes for. Right. And I figured one person really wasn't enough. So I looked up every okay. Senator <laughs> and then I looked up their chief of staff. So it literally goes to the chief of staff's email address for every Senator and house member in wow. the banking committee. Wow. So, so they know they know about it. Thank you for tuning in to the Safety Doc Podcast with the nation's leading safety expert, Dr. David Perodin, author, radio show host, university instructor, researcher, expert witness, and consultant. Powerful testimonials. Dr. Perodin has a strong reputation as the go-to safety consultant, and he was still able to exceed our expectations. When we went looking for an expert in the field of crisis preparedness and prevention, David was the single person we pursued. Not easy stepping into the touchier subjects of life, but Dr. David pulls it off. Take a listen. Now, back to Dr. David Perodin and the Safety Doc Podcast. So let's talk about Equifax. We're, we're talking about banking and, and not only Equifax, but I mean, it's been Wells Fargo and, and, and I mean, probably everybody in banking has, has come out and said, oops, you know, we, we had a data breach and we're not sure what happened. And then of course, it's much more severe than what initially was reported. Um, and it, it, it's just become so commonplace, I guess. And, and what happened, so, you know, after the initial Equifax, well, I shouldn't say initial, uh, the breach, uh, the significant breach a few months ago, uh, maybe the big three were impacted TransUnion and I forget what's the other. We have three Experian. Yeah, Experian. Um, so, and there's five really. Uh, okay. I. IPC is one, and um, 
uh, I can't remember the name of the other one. It, it, I have it in. Um, okay. At any rate, go ahead. I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah. So, so you know, I I'm looking at this saying, oh, like this this is bad, and, and and I'm I'm trying to figure out what to do, and the information I'm able to retrieve from the web is you can go in and and close your um your your not not account, but you can basically put your switch to a, a default of nobody can open up a, a line of credit for, let's say, a new car, something that, like that under your name unless you authorize it. But every time you open and close it, um, there was a fee, a charge, like $15 or something like that. And I know some states that's not the case. Washington State just changed theirs. I don't know this rule well, but it was one of these things where that clearly seemed like extortion that your credit was open. So somebody could go in and check your credit. Sure, um, but... I, I want to point out something to you, and this is this should, and it's part of what you said, but you have to sit down and realize the power, the power of an industry, the power of three companies to lobby 50 state legislatures. 50 state senators and House members to create laws in their states, the power, the money behind manipulation to set a price individually at every state so that the federal government cannot declare that it's free. Because state rule, no matter what you want to hear on CNN and Fox, states' laws supersede federal laws. Only on a few things does the Fed overrun the state. So, so what happened? What were you thinking when you heard about, um, you know, the the Equifax, the the depth of the Equifax breach. Did it change sure, anything what, that you did? Any any you're calling your friends, well, you're putting out posts. What are you doing? Yeah, I did. And one of the things that most people, older people, have done to themselves because we're all taught this garbage about George Washington and that stupid cherry tree when right. we're kids. Right. Is they told the truth. They told the truth to the water company that's been hacked of what their favorite first car was. They told the truth oh, to yeah. their cell phone company of right. what um, who their first girlfriend was or where they got their first kiss. And by the way, there is a broker. There's two of them out there online that will sell me the answers to most security questions they'll sell them to me for 35 dollars 35 dollars i've bought it before i bought it in the 19 uh late 1980s that's scary that's scary okay equifax has all of your security answers because they've been tracking each of us so long that they know the names we've forgotten, like oh, our right. first, second, third, and fourth grade teacher. Right, right. Okay, the colors of 
cars that we've had in our lifetime. Um, the names of your pets. The credit industry, let's go back to spying and its root. Because the credit industry and the Credit Reform Act in the 1960s and 70s, or 1970s, they weren't the first ones to use extortion and blackmail. Our nation had a great institution founded by a blackmailer. And when they talk about the FBI, okay. should always bring up J. Edgar Hoover. Right. J. Edgar kept files on politicians and American citizens using the FBI to spy on us and kept himself in office from Calvin Coolidge out to Richard Nixon, the only bureaucrat to ever pull that off for so long. Nobody would fire him. Right. He retired in 1969. That same year, Charles Ward and his brother Stephen created a new company, a company that you know the name of. You just didn't know that when you refer to it, you're talking about a brand name like Q-Teps or Kleenex. All right. And that name is Demographic Inc., it was a database for the Democratic Party. The Republicans had one too, but their database grew to be commonplace, to be a member of societal wording and knowledge that everybody's information was part of a demographic, quote unquote. The name changed four times and today they're known as Axiom Corporation. So if you go on to Google and you type Facebook Axiom, you'll see that they are a partner. They're a direct competitor of the credit bureaus that we were talking about, um, Experian, Equifax, and TransUnion. Okay. They are a direct competitor, and they compete with some services of Experian. Experian likes to think of itself as a, um, it likes to think of itself that it knows best and actually became the guardian for the, um, became the guardian for our social security system. Um, Uh, a while back, uh, if you try to go out to the internet and uh, look up your uh, social security, and that's something that you should do with your kids, by the way. Okay. It's look and see with the security, the social security administration, and see if they have a job. Um, I'm not kidding. But okay. Experian is the gatekeeper for that. So if you can't get through um, Experian to get to the Social Security Administration, you got to fix that by going to a federal office and standing in line. And right. We it's time consuming. In my town, so yeah, yeah. You, you have to do that with your kids. When you talked about, uh, when we talk about checking kids' credit, however, I have another suggestion to you, for you. 
And that is you send a letter to the credit reporting companies stating that you are the parent of your child with the name and date of birth and social security number of your child on that letter. And you are the legal guardian of that child. Okay. And you do not allow that child's information to be sold, queried, or used in the credit system until they are 18 years old. So as I hear that, I'm like, ooh, like I'm sending something that has their social security number and birth of date on it to, that's making me nervous. So tell me more about this. Put it in an envelope, send it certified return receipt, make sure that you put a piece of paper in the envelope stating that they agree that they will remove it. And if they, I've got some letters that you can send. Okay. But I mean, look, the post office you can trust, I hope. Right. Um, And they're going to drop it there. They've already got this information Mm -hmm. about your kid. Right. Right. So we're not sending anything new. All we're doing is affirming that your child's information, this thing about public information, David, you have something public about you. You have the address that you live at. Right. Yeah. I that can, is public. Right. I mean, one nothing of things, else about you, your name belongs to you. Right. It can't belong to me. It belongs to you. Right. If a data broker has your name, it is your name, period. They don't have a right to it. It is not public information. It never can be public information. It belongs to you. The only people that have public information are the people that decide to tattoo it on their forehead or wear a, whoops, a plate on their chest that has their name on it. Okay. We don't wear name tags. We walk around anonymously. Thank you for tuning in to the Safety Doc Podcast with the nation's leading safety expert, Dr. David Perodin. Author, radio show host, university instructor, researcher, expert witness, and consultant. Powerful testimonials. Dr. Perodin has a strong reputation as the go-to safety consultant, and he was still able to exceed our expectations. When we went looking for an expert in the field of crisis preparedness and prevention, David was the single person we pursued. Not easy stepping into the touchier subjects of life, but Dr. David pulls it off. Take a listen. Now, back to Dr. David Perodin and the Safety Doc Podcast. So, and when you said said that, I'm thinking about, okay, but like in China, the police now are wearing um, special glasses, which are using facial recognition and identifying people out of thousands of people walking by. So I guess, tell me more how 
that fits in because I'm not sure we are. I mean, because all of us have cameras on us, right? In, in this, in the ability to use biometrics and everything else to identify is is to the level where that's really been perfected, if my understanding is correct on that. So no, no, it's not. No, it's not. And, the, and this is the thing about computers. Computers, I do not trust. I trust their motives. I trust humans. Humans have faults. Most humans are nice and are not out to screw you over. Right. They right. Uh, are generally good, try to be good people. Even these companies that I'm, I'm talking about, these companies are, have a lot of nice people working for them. The problem is that there are two things that are kind of myths in our society. One is that big business is the major employer. The major employer outside our government is small business, meaning the guy that owns the convenience store, um, the person that has the tire or muffler shop, even if it is a franchise. These small business people are the major employer in the United States. And the, um, the myth that social media is important to the guy that owns the muffler shop for his new mechanic is just that. It's a myth. But there are people that are going to work for corporate America, and they need you can't you can't eliminate all of the electronic form because so much of society if you will believe right. in using facebook even though there's a delete facebook movement they're not gonna they're gonna stay there they're believers in instagram and by the way one of the things you deal with small kids and one of the things that people are using right now that's supposed to be a secure platform is a program called WhatsApp. Okay. Facebook owns it. Facebook's address is one hacker way. Right, right. It was founded by somebody, Mark Zuckerberg, stealing information from his university. Right. I, yeah. Yeah. I remember, okay. remember the account. Yeah. And then he teamed up with a guy that was a hacker, Sean Parker. And they built out and got the money men together to build this Goliath that is teetering into the data brokers you got to remember that these big companies teeter and totter back and forth but if you believe that somebody namely cambridge analytics built some app on the facebook platform that is filled the biggest employer of hackers in the world right right and was able to accidentally steal the information on 50 million people 
I don't know what you smoke, right. but you got to get a stronger dose, man. Right. <laughs> okay. So it doesn't work that way. So, so how do, so how does it work? And, and, and with that right now, you know, Facebook is, 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 I mean, it's in the news nonstop because of, because sure. of that and, and, and because it, of, of finally, you know, people are saying, I didn't know that my, um, text mess, not even text messages, but phone calls, phone calls I was making that now I can go in and, and Facebook has a record of every phone call that I made because when I clicked on the acceptance and the whatever David, agreement. David, so, excuse me, but man, what you really should be talking about is Facebook kids. That app that got released back this in December Okay, that was made for kids from 6 to 12 years old and being distributed on for iPhone, Android, and the Amazon product. You got to get this data. I mean, they're listening to your phone calls. They're listening to your kids. They were stealing your kids' information because I'll tell you something. I know for a fact that there's this guy in Chicago that owns a company that gets his information from Axiom Company Group. Right. All of it. He's a mail industry guy. And you can buy the name and address of every kid in America from him. So, Up to what age? I don't know because I've never done it. But I do know that he's got a list of every kid that watches Nickelodeon. With their address, the amount of money that you paid for the home, um, and then for a dollar or two, you can get all kinds of information about anybody's parents, uh, you know, who they're related to. You can get their known associates, who they've called. Um, this is all on the data broker side. The individual broker, when you Google somebody, these companies like Bin Verified and Spokio. Right, right. Yeah, I've, I've, I've seen those. They're um, all tied together. This is the thing that yeah. people don't get is that when you use your credit card and you stick it into the credit card reader at your podiatrist, that credit card transaction is associated immediately with what you searched for online, who you liked and what your, who your friends are on your cell phone who you call, this is all accessible through the net, through data brokers. So what's companies. the practical use of this? Uh, what's the practical use trip, of it? Trip. So, what, what, so, so all this data is out there. At some point, does it just become ubiquitous where there's so much data? It, it, I, I'm trying to figure out, um, and, and let me tell, tell an excerpt to maybe frame this. So um, the... Um, Berkeley, the, the riots in Berkeley where, um, you know, about what, six months ago, but it would be the Antifa versus, you know, whether it be the, like a Mike yeah, Cernovich or, or just, and, yeah. And the NZ, uh, the helicopter with the NZ reader that grabbed everybody's cell ID that was at, at that protest. Yeah. Go okay. ahead. Okay. So the thing is you know this was was for days being cultivated online that this protest was going to happen yet there wasn't much of a police presence I, and i and i talked to somebody who was there 
and and their observation um, was, and their they would be a trained observer was, you know, they're really this should have been prevented. Like all of these signals, all of this information should have easily been tracked. These were all high profile people that were were setting up basically this confrontation. And, and there was basically a very minor police presence and what was there was almost a stand down order to their perception. So that, that makes me wonder also, so this information is out there. It's like somebody knew this was totally going to play out. Like I, I have to believe that the, that the authorities, whether it be the FBI, CIA agencies, I'm not even aware of, but totally, totally knew this was going to play out totally. And, and made the decision not to interject in this to prevent it. Um, and so I, I don't know. I, I guess I'm, there's a, there's a belief. Okay. There's a belief that big data is going to solve something. Big data can't predict a ham sandwich. So what we're leaning on right now is we're leaning on AI and AI is going to be the thing that picks up the goof up in Florida where the kid had been seen by the police department or had 60 plus interactions in the FBI were notified. Right. Steven, Nicholas that guy, in, right, right, that yeah. guy killed all those people in Las Vegas right. that flew under the quote radar. I got bad news for you, but he checked into a hotel. He used a credit card. Right. There is no flying under the radar. The idea, you can fly under the radar as a parent, though. Some of the things that you should do um, in the credit industry, uh, I'll go into later. But these things about the data and the idea that AI is somehow going to be the end-all, the beat-all, the problem with AI is the is motives, and this is this. Do you remember that? Uh, do you remember that bully when you were nine years old? Sure. Okay. AI is going to be your personal bully without remorse, without a mother, and it's going to get unleashed on you. The idea of collecting mass amounts of information has one purpose blackmail that's it so then, there is no benefit to you. the idea of big data right. is is very simple the idea of big data is to collect all this information about everybody figure out who's going to keep their mouth shut and then you can charge them more because they won't complain okay it's really a perfect system it's silent, and anybody that voices up gets a discount. Anybody that makes more money gets a discount. And the best part about big data is people that can't afford it. We can charge them more, and they won't say anything. It's a beautiful way to manipulate profit. So how how does that uh, manifest today? Give me an example, and, and of course, you know, you don't have to identify a company or anything, but give me an example of how that actually is happening like right now. Sure. Well, it, for one, your own health insurance, your own 
home insurance and your own auto insurance. You've got to know people that are the same age as you. You've got to know people that also have PhDs that you associate with. Ask them how much they're paying for car insurance. Really, ask them. You will find differences between how much they pay and you pay. One of you may charge more or less, and I can't tell you which one that is. Okay. Yeah, you know, um, I, find it, I find it amazing. It, you know, we meet- just get done with tax time trip. So, you know, I went in and, and I was waiting, you know, I, I logged in the county system and I could find my property and, and then my information, my taxes paid and all that. But I could go in and find everybody else in the county and not only the county, everybody else in the state, as long as I had a little bit of information, maybe it's just their last name. And you could see if they've, if they paid um, in quarterly installments, if they paid in full, if there was any type of lien, but I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm like, this is, this is crazy. And the value of their property, um, and you know, if it's gone up, if it's gone down, um, and, 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 and you should, this is what the power of having an open system of government. Okay. You see information at the county level or the city level or whatever this is called disclosable information but if i take that information and i hold it from you and i try to sell it from you or i try to extort it and it's got your name on it it doesn't belong to me your record belongs to you right So don't put up with these guys stealing your information and selling it. You know, for the most part, David, there's only six companies that have most of your information that sell it online. And the only thing that allows them to do it is your own guilt for signing some some agreement somewhere and not reading it. Right, right. Okay, let's undo the agreement. It's really simple. It's sending a letter. It's really simple. All you got to do is send a letter to these gro- these big brokers and tell them, hands off, you can't sell my data anymore. And they will. Because if they don't, if they don't listen, it's your data. They have not a leg to stand on. So the only thing that keeps... You in these companies in power over you is your inactivity. If you stand up for yourself, right? They'll listen. They don't have a choice because you can sue them. So we just had the Cloud Act passed. Um, sure. Does that have anything to do with with? data and privacy and accessibility because my interpretation, my novice interpretation of the Cloud Act um, was this example where um, the government wanted somebody's iPhone and or wanted Apple to go in and and crack somebody's iPhone so they could get information off of it. And Apple said, nope, not going to not going to do that. Um, and the cloud act was one means to go in and, and to circumvent some of those things and to say, you have to give us this information if we request it. Um, so I guess I'm, you know, I, I'm seeing where I could, I could definitely contact and, and you can get me that information. I can share it out with the listeners of, of the companies 
but through the Cloud Act, it, does the Cloud Act supersede that? Can the government come in and and say, I still I want this data, and I'm just going to take it, and you have to comply, company, or even okay. if I've written to Experian or whatever, they're like, nope. There, no, there, there's something about law that you need to put your head around, and one of the things that was really explained wrong when I was a kid to me, and it took me a while to understand this, the Constitution and the Bill of Rights have nothing to do with you or me. They have to do with your and my interaction with our government, either our state or our local police or our federal government. These rights, like the, uh, the thing from the news media that I've seen many times mis misquoted, was that, like in your example for Antifa and at Berkeley, and them uh, exercising their First Amendment right of speech. Well, there is no First Amendment right of speech between two entities that are not government. Okay. In other words, if we're in public and we're in a park, we use society rules. You don't have a right to speech unless a police officer or government official is present that's trying to suppress our speech then it becomes a constitutional issue. Okay. If we don't have the police trying to shut somebody up, that's not a violation then of the First Amendment. And I hear this over and over and over again said wrong. Okay. So when we talk about the government, one of the things that the companies that hold mass amounts of data did was a lot of them moved their stuff over to England, Scotland, and Ireland. Um, Ireland has, Facebook is over in Ireland. All right. A lot of their data is over there. Okay. What that did by it being in Ireland gave our NSA the right to look up the data and hack into the data set because or copy the data because they have act, direct access or a pipeline to Facebook. Data from companies that are, um, uh, or databases that are inside the United States, or at least companies that are inside the United States. And they did that also because, the, um, because of taxation. So when we talk about that database and the data set, there are other agencies that want access to that data, meaning like the FBI and, right. Right. and, and others. And that law was written not because the, it was written because the information wasn't made readily available or it had to go through international court. Yes. And it still has to go through international court. It's just that we have a law saying that we have it. 
we can have it. And to be quite frank with you, Ireland will give the United States literally anything. And I think that Scotland actually has one of the um, the NSA uh, pop-ups where they grab all telecommunication. Okay. I think there's a base in Scotland that's ours anyway. Um, so this is all legal maneuvering for value and stuff that really has nothing to do with you or your information. Your information, and this is true in Europe too, and the difference between European law and American law and actually third world countries law is that we have, we're lazy. We do not stand up for ourselves. We expect politicians to stand up for us, but they're hooked on our data like crack babies, man. They need our data so that we know who we are, so that they know what to say to extract the most amount of money from a corporation to fund their campaign so that we'll vote them in. Right, right. And literally, that is the progression. Did you know, you, you realize that your senator spends three quarters of their week calling out for campaign funds? They don't spend it at the Senate. Yeah. Um, and you know whose data they use? Axiom. I, I was going to say, I, I would say it would default. Now you said Axiom now was in competition with Facebook, right? No, so, so it's, nope. okay, no, they're in face. They are embedded with Facebook. When okay. you, if you want to see Axiom data, you can see it for yourself. All you got to do is go on Facebook, set up like you're going to sell something and go through the the database of who you're going to pick that you want to sell to. If you want to pick 35-year-old women that have blue eyes and blonde hair, right. I don't know if Facebook will give that to you, but that's in their query. Okay. Um, people that have bought uh, nail polish remover, people that literally everything that is about you. By the way, if you want to find out what's about you, if you if you really want to see how vast this is, type in lists l i s t s dot nextmark dot com and put in anything you want. If you put in girls, the first thing it'll pop up is girls' home addresses ages six four to eleven years old that bought some magazine wow yeah okay they literally will the data pimps this is this is the thing that most people you know they go yeah they got my data and you know we look around and no matter what city you're in you look at the tall buildings and you might see a nice car beneath it you might see a Mercedes. You might see a BMW. Right. 
I mean, you could even see a Rolls Royce or a Ferrari. But this is the thing about data brokers. Data pimps come in all sizes. And when I say a pimp, pimps got thrown off of Craigslist quite a while ago. Now they exist on back pages. Right. These are the guys that sell women and literally will sell anything. Right. The next step up from that is having the ad in the back of USA Today or the Wall Street Journal. They're still a pimp. They're just a data pimp. They have a better car and a better office. But these are the same guys, the same mindset. The same mindset that will rape and pillage and steal your data. The same one that will blackmail you. The same one that steals your data through software on your computer, just like a hacker. And the feds won't touch them with the RICO Act because they have the politicians. So, so These me, are the same guys. So tell me about um, so the blackmail part of that. I mean... I, to my knowledge, haven't been subjected to data black mailing, um, but have a loyalty card. Uh, yeah, I got a couple. Yeah, go to a drugstore, try it without it. That's extortion. Okay, you're blackmailed into having that card or the card number, man. Let me let me ask you this. So, um, you were you were also talking to me off um but but before the show we had a conversation and i have two children under age 18 and the amount of information that the school can gather if i sign the permission you know saying that we can uh, uh, if we can use their picture in school publications and share it with the newspaper and all these other things and and plus we can ask them to participate in surveys of of whatever um and now um I had an example where a family contacted me because I, my work in school safety, a family had contacted me um, about a month ago in a different state and said, my, this is what the father was saying, my daughter's photo is being used by a groomer, uh, by someone who's, who's trying to recruit um, through sex, you know, sex trafficking. But, but here's how this was playing out. The picture was up on the school website. And so it's like this girl had gotten whatever um, award for citizenship or whatever it was in school. School posts on the website had a nice picture of her. Um, a, a groomer takes this picture and um, basically builds a profile. And, and it's not this girl's profile, completely different profile. The picture is just the picture of this girl. Um, so it's this neutral picture and, and built this profile and then is using this to fish, you know, and they'll, they'll use like 200. Sure. I, I, I was working with, um, with Hector Solis on the awareness podcast, uh, Dottie Laster and, and other people in the grooming and human trafficking, which by the way, is right now, probably the number one concern of school districts across the country. We hear about gun violence being the number one concern. That is not it. I get contacted. It is about, um, Dave, our kids are being, um, are being hit up by groomers. They're throwing nets of 200 profiles out there and they're taking kids right off of campus. They're showing up saying I'm the uncle 
and all of these things are they're waiting a block away. That's what that's what is is really like just and there's no way to report this in schools. But I'll, I'm going to pull back from that. So anyway, this father contacts me and he says, "What do, what do I do? What do I do in this case? Because my we just discovered this by chance. One of my daughter's friends said, "Oh my God, like you are online and this isn't you." And it was, um, and they contacted the school. I, I it was he and his wife. We we all were online together and. And uh, I said, well, contact the school like immediately. And the school said, we didn't sell this. Like we, and, and they just identified it. It must've been taken off. You know, it was up on the website, sure. but he, he got back to me and he said, I had no idea this could happen. He was a professional, um, you know, and, and just never thought. And here it is by chance, by chance, his daughter's picture, but it is showing up, you know, as, um, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm interested in these types of things and, you know, older, older guys and cars and stuff like that. And just, you know, whatever, and looking always for a good time. And I like the warm weather or being on beaches. And, um, so, but again, here, here's where you and I were, were talking uh, also uh, about, um, you know, you need to have a social profile. You have a social media profile. Otherwise, if you don't have a social media profile, to pers- prospective employers or colleges, you seem weird. So right, somebody's right, doing right, a search right. and, and whatever for this for this young lady and some of her images come up and all of a sudden one image comes up and is this. Thank you for tuning in to the Safety Doc Podcast with the nation's leading safety expert, Dr. David Perodin. Author, radio show host, university instructor, researcher, expert witness, and consultant. Powerful testimonials. Dr. Perodin has a strong reputation as the go-to safety consultant, and he was still able to exceed our expectations. When we went looking for an expert in the field of crisis preparedness and prevention, David was the single person we pursued. Not easy stepping into the touchier subjects of life, but Dr. David pulls it off. Take a listen. Now, back to Dr. David Perodin and the Safety Doc Podcast. I mean, yeah, wow. uh, I mean, what do you know? I, what do you I do? understand. I understand. And this is a thing that when information is put out there meaning pictures and they end up on google images anybody can search for them um if you want to find out if who somebody is for example on a dating site if you grab their picture and they've used that picture anywhere else on the internet and you put it into google images it'll pick that picture off for you and Nine times out of 10, you can grab their name. There's, but answering your question directly is, first of all, no child, no child that is below 14 years old should have a social profile with their name on it. And what I'm saying is that you can have a social profile when you're younger than 14 years old. I don't really care when you decide you want to do that. You just make sure that 
your photo that you put on that profile is not on Facebook, Instagram, or WhatsApp because Facebook will track you and trap you. So, and I'll explain that in a minute, but you can have a social media account with another name and go online and, you know, Fred Flintstone does this or that. Now, parents, when your child turns 14 years old, should absolutely have a profile with as good as photos as possible put on Instagram, Facebook. You can also um, take pictures of your kid in places on family vacation. Um, if you live near a golf course, um, keep an eye out for when they have golf tournaments, particularly charity events. All right. And grab a golf bag. You can get one from the pro shop. Put the bag next to your kid underneath the sign and just take a picture. Right. It doesn't matter if the kid participated. It makes the kid look like they participate in charity to that school uh, in the future, that okay. employer in the future. If you get a plaque, and go up to the fireman and ask the fireman to hold the plaque and have your kids shake their hand from the distance of the camera. You can't read the plaque. Take the picture. Take a couple pictures. Do it with the police department. Same thing. Or shaking the hands with a cop. Take a picture. Put these pictures on social media. Build the character of your child around 16 years old. Start having your child make essays essays and put them on youtube but don't share them public make them private about current events but nothing political right and i do mean nothing political because the sands of time can change yes so make a documentary or a report the importance of being a good orator the importance of writing a blog entry, in other words, a smartly written essay on anything is extremely valuable to colleges, more importantly to employers, because most of your classmates don't know how to talk and they don't know how to write. This will give you a big lay leg up in your future and it's a fun project that you the parent can do with your kid while they're still manageable because right. at 17 they know everything and trust me you're going to really have a hard time getting them to budge um on a lot of <laughs> i know you deal i heard that voice you deal with them sure. <laughs> um but you can really build out a powerful sales platform because that's what social media has become. It's become branding for you and me. Okay. So, so why okay. not use it to your advantage? So when you, you mentioned Fred, Fred Flintstone. Now I've heard that like Facebook will, um, will run through and, and if you put in a name like that, they'll kick you off and they'll say that's not authentic. Like you have to have an authentic name. So I'm guessing you have to come up with, you know, I'm like, saying like, do not Carolyn, do not 
even use Facebook. Any other platform, they can be on Twitter, they can be on uh, uh, Plus. Um, I'm sure, and most people, look, the honest thing is kids don't like Facebook anyway. Little kids will do anything that adults are doing. Right. But your teen is not going to do what you do. They're going to do something else, and most of them already know that these guys are not to be trusted. Nobody in the data business, the cloud, is not to be trusted. Okay, so let, me, let, me, okay, okay. Sure. So let me throw this at you. So two things. One is you mentioned Facebook Kids as, as coming out. So what's – is that gaining traction? And if so, um, I, I, I mean, what's the major threat – there i mean is that starting to market specific ads to kids it is is it the other way where or is it both ways where it's gathering data um is it hooking because what i've what i've also it's, learned it's, it's is, grooming like for the data pimps um okay. it's grooming for merchandising uh directed at the kid knowing okay who somebody is and shaping them uh, at an earlier age to be a consumer because ultimately it's a consumer economy. And if you don't consume the economy collapses, right? I mean, ultimately that's the reality. That's of- the, no, it's not a reality. That's a fallacy. That is a total fallacy. Look, dude, okay. what do we make? Everything's coming from China. We make nothing. We make we, so we, this. A fiat, okay. Fiat we make- currency, right? The, the federal reserve fiat currency. No, is what's no, made. no, no, no. Look, you do a service, okay? You don't make anything. I don't make anything either. I provide services. Right. The people that program and make video games, they make stuff. But, you know, all the products, the widgets that we use, these are all made on the other side of the ocean. We don't have to buy their crap. We don't have to waste our money and our time buying this crap that doesn't really make us happy that we fill landfills full. Right, right. I mean, right. This, is all, this is all a fallacy in society brought on by a group of companies that really don't give a crap about you and me. Their whole goal is to sell us junk that we don't want and don't need to trick us into not having a retirement. I mean, literally. What what for? Right. It doesn't buy happiness. No, no, I agree. And in you know, there are many companies. I shouldn't say many companies. I've I've listened to um, a few documentaries about a few companies that have offered their employees the ability to have a microchip implanted, and then that would identify where they were in the building, when they lo- you know logged in, whatever. Um, yeah. Then and and most in not most a majority of employees opted to do that in the in these settings because they said it's just easier. I don't have to have my wallet. I get the credit for this. I get the whatever. So that is that is the extortion of saying, hey, you know, then you know when you go through the lunch line, we'll just give you a discount because we don't have to mess around with you doing a, a, a transaction. But I'm thinking right there, that person instantly becomes identifiable everywhere, and if they're walking down. A, well, I, I mean, if, if they're online, everything is being marketed to them because they know, um, 
How that much, they're an idiot. That that yeah. Well, <laughs> that they're an idiot, but they know that that they went to a a camping store like a week ago. So they're just going to get inundated with you know camping things. No, or, no, 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 no. RFID. No, 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 no. Slow down, man. Slow down. Okay. So this is the way the system works. All right. First of all, all those people that agreed to be chipped are the group that I was saying big data wants to know because they'll get to pay more. Those are the people that get to pay more. Um, When you go into a store and you pick up an item like an electronics store, you may notice this white slab that's glued to the side of the box. Right. Yeah, sure. Okay. That is called passive RFID. And what RFID does is RFID is an old technology that was started out in World War II. We put a piece of metal inside of an airplane and charged it. And we could tell if the plane coming at us through radar was ours or was the Germans. Okay. Um, the Germans eventually developed the same technology and were able to tell if it was their plane or ours. Um, RFID, when it's passive, means that it has no battery in it. Um, So when you go into a store and they put the item on the counter and the counter goes beep, the beep represents that it successfully read the the ID number of the chip into the bank. In other words, into the database that is marked sold. And then all those items get dumped into a bag. And as you approach the exit about 15 feet away, the exit gate has that big bar. The big bar is a huge antenna that excites everything's in the bag and reads the contents of the bag and sees if there's any ID number in the bag that was not marked sold. And if there is, then the alarm goes off. Right. Okay. That's how that system works. Okay. Okay. That same chip is miniaturized and put into a little vessel that goes into, can go into the body. And it's about the size of a piece of rice. It's a 16-digit ID number. The problem with that 16-digit ID number is that it just broadcasts. So if I am 30 feet from somebody that's wearing one of these or has one implanted, I've got their number. Oh, okay. So now I can, for $15, buy a piece of equipment that allows me to make a card that I can slide into my pocket and then pass through the gates of every one of these employees. Oh, wow. That makes sense. I, I, right. Okay. So how you get around this is you talked about facial recognition. Biometric, there's an idea of security. And let me, let me explain what true security is versus what we're what a password is password is not security right you having three things about you 
Who are you? What do you know? And what do you have? These three things establish who you are. Who are you? You're David. Prove it to me. You can give me a um, a state ID that matches your name. So you must be David. What do you know? You know that um, I'm asking too many questions and you'll call me on it. But you know that your name is David. In other words, who are you? What do you know? What do you have? The problem with the credit card industry is it's what do you have? It's the same thing as money, except it's not money. In other words, if I go to a store and I have a transaction with you and you tell me it's $5, if I give you $5, the transaction is complete because you trust the money and you put it in the register and we go. Right. Credit card transactions have, what do I have and what do you know written on them? That's that number that's on the back of Visa and MasterCard and on front of American Express for online transactions. So we slide it into a chip. The chip reader um, is much slower than the mag strips. We already know that. The other side of it is chips can be copied. They've been copied in Europe. The quarter only costs $50. So what's the difference between a mag strip and a chip on a Visa card and MasterCard and a machine to do fraud? The difference is 50 bucks. You can do the mag strip ones for free. The square readers work on a cell phone and you can duplicate one. The, so credit card transactions are, what do you have? If you are forced to use a pin, that's what do you know but there's no question of your ID. If they took out your ID and you had to show your ID, that's a complete picture. So what do you have? What do you know? And an ID. Until we get to the point that we're gonna make the electronic systems have all three components, we're always going to have fraud. And quite truthfully, the banking industry doesn't pay for fraud. We do. We pay through what's called the FDIC. So when a bank loses money because fraud has occurred, who pays? The merchant pays, the FDIC pays, or we pay. The bank never pays. That's, I mean, look at 2008, no arrests. Those guys all got scot-free. Every one of them. Right. And the billions are ripped off. Wow. That's big money, man. Big, big money. So let me let me throw something out there. So so what if we what if we get down the road to twenty years from now and cryptocurrency, the, the government just like you know, kinda of went off the gold standard, government says we are going to convert everything to cryptocurrency. So your one paper dollar will now be one paper, one dollar 
in cryptocurrency assigned to you through the U.S. whatever cryptocurrency system. Uh, do, do you see that as a possibility that that we are going to? Because here's something that I'm trying to think of how this might impact me, but then also my my daughters. And we get to the point where paper currency is is done, meaning that. And I guess you know you could legislate the you you could make paper currency invalid if you didn't exchange it after a certain point anyway through legislation. But let's say um, we get twenty years from now and there are no more dollars. You have to redeem your paper dollars, your your paper currency, and you for a crypto government cryptocurrency. Now, if that happens we can have retroactive taxes put on us. Um, we can have wealth redistribution put on us. Uh, I, we, we, we can't take the money out and have, you know, this negative interest rates. Who the hell would have thought that happened? I mean, and you know, that that didn't happen in the US, but it happened overseas. Negative interest rate policy. Unbelievable. I mean, Trip, I remember taking out certificates of deposit for 10%. You know, I, I still have stubs of those. And to think now that putting your money in the bank, um, you know, you can put your thousand dollars in the next year, you know, you'll, you'll have $950, you know, left. So, um, how, how do you see this too, from a security standpoint of, are we being, is society moving toward a cryptocurrency? And if so, what are the checks and balances in that from a security standpoint, even from a, a government who you, who's being manipulated, you know, who's spending three quarters there, of its time. Okay. There's two sides to money. There's electronic money. There's the money. There's three sides to the economic system. There's an electronic fund system that we use that is in best case stupid and enforced upon, look, J. Edgar Hoover did something really bad back in the 1930s, I think he did it. He federalized the FBI and a bureaucracy to be in charge of bank security. And what that did was it made it banks not responsible for securing the bank and the money. In the 1980s, and actually the 1990s, the responsibility of the validity of your account, in other words, how much money was in your bank account, got shifted to us. We are now responsible to check our account and know that the right amount of money is in it. And if there is a less money in it and we notice within 30 days, we can have it back. However, if the bank puts 90, it puts more money in it than is supposed to be there and you gain any interest, they take the money and the interest. Sure. This is the bank. You said, sure. Well, this yeah, is, I, I mean, I would, I would say that'd be fair. If there was an error and you gave me money that I shouldn't have in it, acquired interest, I, I wouldn't expect that I would be keeping the interest on it. The bank system is 
upside down and backwards corrupt. Okay, the other side of it, David, that you don't realize is that we live in this society. The dollar is a global commodity. We did, during the Obama administration, we gave the Iranians $10 billion in cash, meaning a pallet of money. Right, right. We didn't give them electronic funds for a reason. And that is that the global economy runs on the black market runs on the drug market runs on the Amer- the arms market runs on right. american cash okay it would be the dream it would be the entire dream of russia and china to get us to go to an electronic form of currency because they would be able to sell arms to places that are our customers. You know that that march the other day, the one that was national about guns? Yeah. Do you know why that's happening? Do you have any idea how much Russia and China are supporting the anti-gun movement in the United States? Why they want Remington and our gun manufacturers to commit to have bankruptcy, to go out of business. Because in the Sudan, throughout Africa, throughout Asia, parts of Asia and the Middle East, everybody's buying weapons and we're selling them. And if our manufacturers go out of business, it's going to be Russia and China selling them. Right. Okay, in the future, this might work out better because I'm not a believer that we should be selling arms. I think that we should make really bad stuff and keep it ourselves and not send it throughout the globe. We shouldn't even share it with our allies so that when Russia and China decide to invade a nation and they find our our robots just slaughter everything around have you seen what our navy's capable of doing and some of the robotic stuff it's amazing ai in a navy ship have you seen the new battleships they used to have all these guns right now they got one can yeah, you I, imagine I was, they have uh... one gun I, I, it shoots it shoots 400 rounds a minute that are bigger and better than the stuff they used in World War II and more accurate. Right. By the third shell coming out of the thing, they're dead on target. Amazing stuff. Our stealth technology can't be beat on above land and in the water. Yeah, it I was... Um... Again, going through some information about how it was, I think it was right around Christmas, um, the Air Force released that they had done a drone drop from, I don't know, you know, 
some plane and and basically drop like 75 80 drones and within a few seconds they all sync up and then and these were smaller drones so you know maybe like two three yeah the super the swarm you can look at that on youtube yeah so they did that and then they also have that ability now in the ocean and it's just a matter of of scaling it so um you have enough of these these devices to withstand the pressure of going you know deep ocean and how what your energy source would be but but of course, right. not far off where you could pair that with a with a submarine, um, and and really, and really, and, yeah. really, and really, truthfully, this is a problem in our society. When we talk about guns and violence, so quickly we digressed our conversation into pro armament, pro death and destruction. Because we're programmed from our infancy to be destructive. We play violent video games. And this is the thing. Adam Lanza, who started all this stuff in Connecticut, who went to um, Newtown, Connecticut, and killed all those little kids and the teacher, for over a year... He was calling radio stations, playing violent video games, and all of these companies were tracking him. They knew what he was buying. Right, right. Okay, law enforcement either wasn't, isn't given the privy of private stuff. So this is the thing about Facebook. This is the thing about Twitter. When you find something wrong on those systems and you report it, you're a jerk. Not only that, though, Trip, you're you're a jerk, but you're also potentially liable um, because with the the Aurora, Colorado um, shooter, the guy that dressed up like the, the Joker um, and went into the movie theater, part of the reason his psychiatrist or psychologist, whoever he was seeing his, his professional counselor didn't report him basically said is, is if this person comes back and and could sue me and and could say, you know, I wasn't planning on doing any of this. And well, let's think about the, the Vegas, you know, shooter, I I don't know what was his name, but anyway, um, you know, the the guy's walking around and he's, he's obviously ramping up his his cl- uh, collection of of weapons his arsenal you know through his purchases that's out there walking around in sweatpants and and sandals at a casino and dropping a million dollars that person if you challenge them of hey this behavior that you're doing is is concerning they're just like i'm eccentric this is me you know i have all this money i can do this and thank you for tuning in to the safety doc podcast with the nation's leading safety expert, Dr. David Perodin, author, radio show host, university instructor, researcher, expert witness, and consultant. Powerful testimonials. Dr. Perodin has a strong reputation as the go-to safety consultant, and he was still able to exceed our expectations. When we went looking for an expert in the field of crisis preparedness and prevention, David was the single person we pursued. Not easy stepping into the touchier subjects of life, but Dr. David pulls it off. Take a listen. Now, back to Dr. David Perodin.
and the Safety Doc Podcast. Well, the the question, the question for 2050 is going to be, do we really want thought police? And I'm fortunate that I'm not going to see that um, or us have that debate because it's going to be in, it's going to be presented through AI about the same time that AI takes all of our jobs. Um, People think it's robots, but Facebook and Google and a bunch of these companies are creating this literally scary stuff. Um, Thank you very much. The narcissism that scientists have that think they're smarter than them it's scary stuff. You should watch Elon Musk talk about this. Um, he's uh, been very vocal about AI and actually know, owns one of the AI production plants. Okay. He has AI, and it scares him. Yeah, I, I know um, generally it's accepted between 2040 and 2045 would be the point of singularity. And then, you know, also the, the question with, um, with Bitcoin, you know, in harvesting Bitcoin was the, the likelihood that you would just have your computers become so efficient at harvesting Bitcoin that it would be harvested way before, I don't know what, a hundred years from now or whatever it was supposed to be that the computers would figure that out. And, and once they did, could literally harvest it probably in a matter of days. Um, now, see, the problem with Bitcoin is this. I think Bitcoin is related to DARPA in a way. I don't know who did Bitcoin. Nobody does. But I'll tell you, tell you why I say that. I go to hacker cons. I hang out with the black hat guys at times. Yeah, and, and through this, and, Trip, tell us and, more about that. You know, and, the, and one the of, audience, yeah. Yeah, sure. And for the most part, hackers are a group of people that care. They care about society. They worry about intrusions. They write the code um, that is on firewalls and write the firewalls and monitor the firewalls and develop, develop stuff, they expose the weaknesses of equipment, not necessarily for profit, but so that you know and you don't get taken. And when I went to DEF CON, which is on the West Coast, it's held in Vegas uh, once a year. And it's actually put on by the NSA, Intel, and Sony. For that is who the directors work for. All right. Um, when I went, uh, one of the times that I went, I was. I live on East Coast time when I go to the West Coast, so I'm up wicked early. And what had happened was that the Chinese had um, 
broken into the um, the database that had the identities of everybody in the government, including their security clearances. So the State Department denied access to Chinese entering the United States 30 days before DEFCON. So that is the global hackathon. Um, right. Hackers from all over the world and all intelligence agencies go to compete against each other in a game called Capture the Flag um, that's played on computers in real time in a room where you're not allowed to take photographs and you can meet and greet the elite in spy agencies, organized crime, and RNSA. No kidding. So I'm sitting on the floor and I see these two, actually four, four or five really cute Chinese girls go walking by wearing Leatherman jackets like, you know, a high school player. Okay. And a few minutes later, I see these two guys that are Chinese walk by. The Chinese hackers had posted, acted as though they were high school students and got into the country so that they could go to DEF CON okay. and did a group oh photo underneath the sign at DEFCON to send back. <laughs> Crazy. Um, the idea of who's tracking you, this is really important. Our government and our big government and its globalization, and I don't know what your feelings are on that, and truthfully, I don't care. It's not the point of this comment. But your information is being captured by both country companies that are located in the United States and by spy agencies in foreign nations. The information about you, about your likes, about your favorite color, um, about your food preferences, who your favorite cousin is, and who you would give your life for, are known by a number of spy agencies in other countries. Because if that person that you would lay down your life for actually ends up working for the military yes. or a defense contractor or is a doctor who has to give a psychological assessment of somebody that's of key importance, it's how we can step on you, doc, and know that you will not open your mouth. You see, that's who you are being careless with about your data. Now, let me say that you can get a free document about stopping browsers from tracking you right off my website, yeah, tripillix.com. And I sent you a copy of it. Yeah, got um, it up. It's better, it's better if you download it, David, and I'll tell you why because all the links for all the sites that are listed there with the little wizard, 
Right. I made it really easy. I put little, a picture of a wizard next right. to all the downloads to make it really easy so you didn't have to read everything. Um, the links are hot links. So if you have it in electronic format on your phone, you can just click. Right. I've, I've got it up right now. Your, so right I've got yeah, three monitors. So, 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 Trip, when did you do this? And that was one, one question. And, and why? Why did you do this? Because, I mean, this is a hell of a lot of work. And you're giving this up for free. And I know you're a nice it, guy, but tell me what's <laughs> going on here. Well, I... I knew about um, these companies tracking all of this stuff, and I actually had I actually had all of uh, that. Sorry about that. My dog just walked in. That's no problem. I actually have all of those things installed in my browser, okay. and somebody was asking me. Uh, how I did that and I started to make a list and I was like you know what <laughs> a lot of people would like this list so uh, I composed the list of what goes on and who these guys are okay um, yeah I'll definitely link this yeah and if you if you don't want to uh, yeah if you don't want to uh, put credit cards online too. Blur is on there, which is actually really cool. Um, what you can do with Blur is you can give them um, your credit card number and then they will impose on browsers, on the browser, when anybody asks you for a credit card number, a credit card number of theirs that's disposable. Okay. It's the same thing as buying a gift card and by the way, if you've got a game system, and tell other parents too, these game systems and cell phones all require that you have a credit card associated with the device. And that's really another way of you having a pain in the neck. It's another place where somebody can steal the data. Sony had it happen to them. So how you get around that is a trick that the drug dealers use. Get gift cards. They trick the system and they work like a regular credit card and they have a limit. Right. So if you buy a $50 gift card and you give it to your kid to put on the Xbox, they got $50 and they're out of money. And they can't be charged more. Right. Yeah, I, I, I think that's an awesome idea. So the document, I'm looking at it right now, um, is exceptional that Trip put together. And again, you know, this is a huge gift that you're, you're giving to people, um, Trip. So, I mean, this is phenomenal. Um, you, you talk about, you, you have a section in here also about Tor or being anonymous online. I talked a little bit about Tor because I had a friend who um, got out of the Navy after, you know, a career same ages as as me and we were meeting a few months ago and he said hey do just by chance like you know i was i was talking about i had upgraded some computer things and, and whatever but he said do you use tor or like the onion router and i'm like i don't even know what that is so he was telling me a little bit more he's like yeah you know like just you want to make sure just as you're kind of saying right now don't be um 
don't don't make yourself very obvious online. You know, do these measures to to you know. Um, I, I, I guess hide your your searches have, to protect your IP. So he gave me gave me some advice, and actually, um, I, I'm not going to brag this out, but I mean the system that was built for me was built by hand by a hacker, and and literally every piece that went into what is down here, although um, I'm, I'm sure that that's not foolproof, um, was it's not anywhere commercial i mean and he bought pieces even specifically from vendors in different regions um and and then went and wiped everything clean and built this from ham but this he is yeah i I mean identifies himself out as a as a hacker held a position as a interior security um specialist in a major insurance company um but yeah built this machine and he said you know if you follow what i put together for you this will lessen your likelihood of being susceptible, not prevent it. I mean, you can still do stupid things to, you know, go outside of whatever, but yeah. You don't have any Microsoft apps, right? Um, I don't think I have anything going on here right now. That's, that's Microsoft. Good. Because Microsoft sends data packets back to them. Right. Exposing if you've got, uh, office installed, what version they haven't really, gone after anybody for piracy, but they know who you are. Um, they've known for quite a while, ever since we really had any kind of dial-up. But I run three browsers. Um, I run a browser that has anti-tracking for the most part turned on. In other words, I block Facebook from tracking me because Facebook and Google are the two biggest trackers on the internet and they don't need to know that I'm reading the news on the New York on the New York Times right. or the Huff Post or going out to um, Breitbart all right that's none of their business um, but if I want to shop and look up prices, I need cookies to shop. You need the ability to receive a cookie. So shopping with Tor is only good for prices of flat goods. Amazon will give you different pricing based on your shopping habits, meaning they read third-party cookies. Um, Some of the travel sites read third-party cookies. So what I'm saying is that on your computer, you need to have a shopping profile so that your pricing is actually set lower. A couple months ago, and I cite this in uh, that paper, the major airlines are uh, dictating pricing based on whether or not you have a shopping history. Okay. So if you are run anonymous, that's kind of like having no credit. Right. And you get to pay more. For real. So I have a browser set up with no protection. 
So when I go on to Amazon and I want to shop for something on Amazon, they can see everything it, there is about the browser, at least they think they do. Okay. And I receive all the cookies and all of the traffic outbound that are attached to whatever that item is they know about. Um, so they think that I am a consonance uh, consumer. So these are the things that you should do for these guys. The first seven days of every month, I have a thing called the Anti-Click Brigade. What the Anti-Click Brigade is, is your ability to upset the system without being connected to me. We've never met. You're only hearing my words or seeing me on a video screen that you saw once. Yes. And uh, in six months, when you remember to do this, oh, yeah, it's the first of the month. What I want you to do is pick up your tablet, phone, or computer when you're sitting in front of the TV doing nothing, watching that movie that's really boring. I want you to look up for stuff that you're not interested in and click on the advertiser. It costs them money. The thing is, the Internet Oh, is not right. supported by advertising. Thank you very much. It's supported by a bunch of companies that have completely misled us and literally rip us off. They steal our information, they sell it to criminals, and they expect us to behave. Ha! Huh. Who's going to behave? So how you get around this is, look, you should dream. Having a dream will make it come true. This is the idea of the law of attraction. Google it if you don't know what I'm talking about. The law of attraction says that if you believe in it enough, it will come to be. So I want, for seven days, I want you to look up luxury homes, luxury cars, jewelry, things that are outside your frame of affordability or want. All right. Things that you would never dream of doing, like buying scuba deer, um, going spear fishing in the Arctic. What would I need for that? Look it up. Click on the advertiser links because, you see, data brokers are grabbing that information and think that, think that you really are interested in this. And yes. next month, change it up. You'll notice that your mail changes a little bit. Okay. Uh, your junk mail will actually be a little bit better than the refi offers. Right. Um, remember, it just costs those guys money that are spying on us. The only way we're going to make advertising go away is make them spend money that they don't have. Remember that. Right. When cable came out, the hitch to all the communities was you could have movies and no commercials. The news, CNN came out 24 hours a day, seven days a week, no commercials. And then they brought the commercials in. The internet, the same thing. And then the commercials took over. Screw them. Disrupt them. Disrupt yourself. Now, I said a lot about your information and making the point that your name is your property. 
and all those agreements that you've had over the years. If you'd like to make them go away, visit my website, send me a note. I haven't created a package yet. Um, it's kind of a DIY thing right now, but I will be offering a service to tell brokers, just like the credit agencies, hands off. This is your data. Public information does not exist. Ask a cop. Ask anybody in law enforcement. Is my information public? They'll tell you no. In fact, a police officer has to get a subpoena to look at your information. If it was public information, think about it. If it was public, the police would need subpoenas. Right. The things on the internet are not public information. They are stolen information. You can remove it. And by all means, if we're talking about anybody under the age of 18 years old, these are kids. It's your information. It doesn't belong to your kid. It belongs to their parent. It's your responsibility to protect them. So going back about your picture that was on the school right, and right. where we came from, it's unfortunate that creeps will do that, but if it's in a public place, they can steal the photo. If it's on a site like Facebook, you can get an attorney and tell Facebook to remove it. You can send Facebook a note, but Facebook will do nothing. Um, they, these companies, these big internet companies, Bing, Google, they sell advertising to survive. They sell advertising to criminal gangs. They sell advertising that gives you malware and viruses. Remember that. These companies are not to be trusted. They have your data right. and they will give it to anyone. They will sell it for a dime. They are data pimps just like those people that prey on little kids and women and sell their bodies, they are doing the same thing with your data. It is the same process. They are scum of the earth. Thank you for tuning in to the Safety Doc Podcast with the nation's leading safety expert, Dr. David Perodin. Author, radio show host, university instructor, researcher, expert witness, and consultant. Powerful testimonials. Dr. Perodin has a strong reputation as the go-to safety consultant, and he was still able to exceed our expectations. When we went looking for an expert in the field of crisis preparedness and prevention, David was the single person we pursued. Not easy stepping into the touchier subjects of life, but Dr. David pulls it off. Take a listen. Now, back to Dr. David Perodin and the Safety Doc Podcast. And I think coming back on this trip is people don't realize 
Facebook, Google, all of this. It's not free. There's a cost. And the cost is that they are taking your data. Um, whether, whether that's, um, you know, your, your um, passive in that or, or whether, you know, you're more overtly cooperating in that, whatever. But, like, you know, though there's a cost to staff this there's a cost to develop all of this and the fact that you can download it for free and whatever no like you have just entered into a partnership of they're giving this to you because they are going to take from you and people don't realize that they're going to take from you but what they take is more than what they say they're going to take you see when we use systems on the internet like google for example google violated Google is an exception to the rule in some cases. The Alphabet series of companies is a great innovator. They make some cool stuff. Unfortunately, they decided to play in politics. So they violated the trust of millions of people. Facebook, we always knew, was corrupt. We knew that from the beginning. Right, right. It was, it was okay. designed to, right, as an experiment, could I get away with this? And then actually after, you know, Mark did, you know, it right. just exploded it, it, from there. So, yeah, it never had, it, it had a bad scene it, from the start. Yeah, it was a bad, it was always bad. Google manipulated the election stuff um, and violated that. They also are the target of, because they're so big, of law enforcement. So when you search for something with Google, your searches in the results, um, not a, your searches are actually available to law enforcement if you get involved with them or in a civil litigation. Um, you go through a divorce and there's some money and an attorney decides to send a subpoena to Google, Google will satisfy the subpoena. You see Google and Facebook and Twitter and Verizon and AT&T have a whole department set aside to sell data to police departments and to satisfy subpoenas. And sometimes they'll tell the lawyer you give us a subpoena and it co- still costs $100. And they have departments that create this. These are staffed offices that run right. around the clock sucking data about us. Right. But the thing about the thing about Google and what it does and how it violates trust is that the device like your cell phone if you turn off the GPS, it still records the GPS and stores the data till you turn it back on again um, and get it hooked to the internet. So that's a violation of trust. So get a cell phone that you can remove the battery. Um, yeah. Then Google can't track you. Apple openly tracks you. Um, who they sell it to, I have no idea. They're kind of like Microsoft. Uh, they're kind of silent on, um, on uh, violating your trust. Um, 
they're not as open about violating trust as Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. Um, these, there is no trust. You can count on them doing rotten things to you. Um, I am a likable bot guy on Facebook. I liked so many things. Facebook took away my like button. Really? No kidding. Okay. Yes. Wow. I like, I like lots of things. I know what threw it off. Liking stuff in Farsi. Don't do that. Okay. Japanese is okay. Korean is okay. German is okay. But it was the Farsi. <laughs> wow. Wow. You know, as you know, one of the things I've had to do as a safety expert, and, and I'll say that because I've been yeah, an expert witness in court. So, um, and I've had to make choices with the different podcasts that I'll be on, different statements that I'll make, um, different um, national media that will interview me on things because very quickly your clients um, can can shift. And I, I know like clients that will, I've lost because of things that I've said or even people that I've endorsed um, because of their positions, like that's not an option for anyone like to have that client. Uh, if you say anything pro-gun, I'm in Connecticut. If you say anything pro-gun in, in Connecticut, um, I could get the police here. <laughs> really? Yeah. If, if I, if, <laughs> but just, one, one important thing about schools okay. is there is a danger with schools and data and children that parents need to know about. And that is called the school directory. That's a supposed to uh, be, um, parents are supposed to be given the option to opt out of directory information at the beginning of the school year. And quite truthfully, a lot of school districts forget. There's a, a permission form that a parents group's got, but I could um, give you a copy of it and edit it so that it's an easy form for you to pass out. I think that would be a really cool thing for you. Sure. And I'll create that, that because there's a lot of things that a parent may want the school to disclose right now. Let me talk about what you can get from the school district about the kids in the school district their name, age, date of birth, where they were born, how much they weigh, eyes, weight, hair color, school activities, band activities, sporting activities, grade achievement levels. And that's almost every school district. Right. I should not be able to buy the names and ages, dates of birth and place of birth is two parts of the social security number, man. That should not be disclosed to anybody. And you as the parent have the right to tell the school district not to disclose that. But you gotta do it every year by federal law. Um, I have it, did I give you a copy of my book, Protecting Kids Online? You did not. Oh, I will uh, give you 
I'm sorry, I'm looking down. I was looking for a copy of it. I thought I had, oh, here it is. I knew it was nearby. I will send you a copy of this. Okay. Do you do ebooks? Yes. Oh, yeah. I'll just give you a copy of the ebook right now. Uh, Thank you very much. Yeah, you can get this book in Amazon, on uh, iTunes, or off my website. Okay. And I talk about this, but the form isn't really in here. Um, I just talk about the form. Okay. Uh, so protect, in school, protecting kids Pro online. So yeah, you know, as as we kind of get toward toward a wrap up here, let let let's hear. You have a lot to offer. Um, it, so so Trip, tell me about your books. Tell me about that book. Um, and then also schools who are listening are saying, we need to, we need to contact this guy. We need to, we need to have him come in and do a talk. Um, yeah, sure. I'd work. love to do that. So, so I... Tell me about the book. First of all, you, you, you brought up the book. I know it's on Amazon. Um, so. Yeah, sure. What... I, I, I wrote the book last fall, uh, it, and released it. And it really is more or less a hacker's view of how to protect kids' data. Uh, one of the things that I talk about is the two sides of the dark net. Um, you talked about the onion a little bit and Tor, but in the sea of information that makes up the entire internet, there is an island of privacy. And it's called Tor or the onion or the infamous dark net, because nobody can track you there. As long as you remain anonymous, you can look at the rest of the internet, don't go on social networks that we've been talking about. Logging onto Facebook would be fruitless um, because one, it violates the idea of what Tor is. You don't use Tor for social media. Um, you don't use it for Amazon either. Amazon is a big spy organization all in itself, but uh, it is um, certainly not Facebook and it's not Google. Right. Uh, so when you use Tor, nobody can see who you are. They just have a Tor address. So if you want to look up a snazzy new shirt or uh, carpet or uh, floor coverings and not get those annoying pop-ups, do it through Tor. If you want to look up um, how hackers do their thing, a lot of that's only available on Tor or the Darknet. There are services that are on the Darknet that you can't get to from the rest of the internet. And the reason is the servers don't want to know who's connecting to them. That's the idea okay. of secrecy. Sure. Yeah, I have three books. Uh, this is my latest, um, Protecting Kids Online. Um, my other book on privacy is called A Right to Property. And that talks about some of the problems uh, associated with data in the databases that um, one of the chapters is called a not so free and open government that discusses um, the unavailable information of our criminals. You know, I know you talk about human trafficking and criminals, but the NCIC system that the FBI has should really be open. 
It should be open so that we know who is a convicted criminal and we should report to the FBI. If you know this guy's been convicted and you go look him up in the database and you see he doesn't have a record, that's the time to tell somebody. This would give the availability so that kid in Florida that had all those reports going to the police officers yes, and yes. the neighbors wanted to know about this kid, they should have been able to look up and see that there was no record and make calls, make these guys accountable. Adam Lanza was not a silent person that just disrupted. That Joker guy in Milwaukee was not just some random guy that nobody knew of. Maybe the guy in Las Vegas was, who knows. Right. But, uh, you know, these most of these guys, the people around them know something. And they say something. And the government goes, eh. Yeah, that it's was really that was really disheartening for me um, with Nicholas Cruz on Valentine's Day and the Parkland shooting because I stress so much that we need to look at our threat input systems and that that was a substantial failure in a lot of schools that I consulted with um, because what they would say I'd say what's your threat reporting system well it's tell an adult I'm like oh okay well where do you where do you even document this well it's somewhere in the handbook and then if you could find it it was again you could pull it out and it wasn't at a register that was accessible by students with special needs or English language learners so right there 25 30 percent of the students not couldn't access the information, but, um, but yeah, so I'm looking at that. I'm like, Ooh, okay. So the calls were made to police, but documents did not become records. And, and so that's one thing in, in a court of law, you probably know those two trip is, you know, there's a big difference between a document and a record. If, if we're, if, if I'm a police officer and I'm writing down some notes about something, that's a document. Once I enter it into the system, then it becomes a record. Well, a lot of, t a lot of times I see, documents created people take their notes yeah i took my note like when i interviewed this student about whatever this this instant okay but when did you then make an analysis of this and then put it into your your school database where then it is a record that the next year the principal can see it the following year whatever that right third, and, the third and, party and provider could see and, it yeah they don't I, do it they don't do it they don't do it yeah yeah and i understand and there's another danger into that too and that is that records that get expunged at 18 at the court are not getting destroyed at the school. Oh, right, so, right. No, no, they're not. They're not and the all. data brokers are grabbing that data and have the expunged records. We need our schools to set up systems so that when a student either turns 18 years old or is given a graduation certificate of what data about that child or adult will be disclosed and what happens to the rest of it, how we destroy it, how often we destroy it. Because these things are detrimental to kids. I mean, the, you know, one of the kids that I grew up with, one of the guys that I know that used to shoot bottle rockets at the police cars going by 
is now a state trooper in another state. Okay. He would have never been the state trooper <laughs> if, his, if his school records were disclosed. Right. Um, these things are holding back kids now. And the whole thing with big data, big data can't make a ham sandwich. They can't predict what you're going to buy next. They can only give us ads for what we've already bought. And half the time, it's kind of funny. You know, you get the pop-up ad for the lawnmower after you research lawnmowers, you buy one. Right. <laughs> then you get the pop-up ad for the lawnmower for more money than you spent. Yeah. Yeah, when I when I get it, it's it's just it's just ridiculous. Is uh, I I bought some air filters for my furnace online, and it's like every five days. Hey, you know, like it's it's getting to be whatever season, and shouldn't you check your? I'm like, enough. Like, you know, three months, and then I'll change it. I don't need to buy more and more and more and more. But yeah, it, it doesn't have this this ability to to pace itself so it yeah yeah every time i go in every week i probably get three emails from this one company hey we're running a sale you can get some more like well that document's got how to install tor on your cell phone so that you can look up those prices on the move and the carriers don't know what you're looking at So email the, once you download the doc, email it to yourself so you have it on your phone. And then you can install all those cool anti-tracking apps on your cell phone. Gotcha. And I would love to uh, come out and talk to some of your schools about security and building profiles that colleges will want to see. What needs to be in a kid's profile are pictures exhibiting leadership, showing leadership Absolutely. skills. And you could do these for any kid. Do not, whatever you do, do not keep your kid away from the internet and when they graduate to go to a college because no footprint is only going to limit their choices. You, you, but you can design the shoes yourself. This is the thing right. about the manipulation of big data and right. all of this stuff is you can make it up yourself and make yourself look pretty in the process. I, I liked your idea before about, um, you know, even starting a blog and it could be a blog about, um, you know, the trash, the, yeah, the trash or the, the, Weather or just, I, I, I mean, something that would be, um, or, or some, you know, researching um, some different places to take vacations. Um, and, right. and, and yeah, here, here, here's some things like you probably would want to do on one day because they would all clump together. And here's some different clothes, you know, you want to bring because it gets like cold at night. But so, I mean, or even like if it's cooking, like one of my daughters is kind of into cooking. And, and a little bit of a twist so you could put up like a recipe and take some pictures at different stages of a, of a dish being prepared. Right. Um, so you're right. I think, I think that, and, and see what, what we're talking about right now doesn't get talked about in schools, does not get talked about in schools. Um, there is this thing of, you know, what is digital, how to be a digital citizen, which is basically don't bully and send threats to your friends or do sexting or things like that. But, Why not? That's fu- that's what makes the internet fun. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> but but really, but but that is that is what is what's being conveyed is is don't do this, and it still it still happens. Um, 
but it isn't anything about how to be, uh, you know, your, your digital, your profile of, of the right. digital image that you want to create for your, yourself, for your future employers and, and for colleges and things like that. I, I haven't heard anybody talk about that. It is all this defensive thing. It's all, it's, it's, um, again, um, th threats, you know, being sent, um, sure. sexting. You know, you know what the internet really needs? Somebody to, that's young to talk about cleaning things and, um, you know, how to clean glass and how to clean and polish wood and that kind of stuff. Everybody with instruction is like Martha Stewart and Bob Vila. They're all old. There yeah. is nobody young yeah. doing it. <laughs> Granted, yeah. there are robots that will take over this eventually, but, you know, it needs a young person to start making the video blog on how to do this. Yeah. It, I don't, the, thing, I don't know. the thing about social networking that I believe is... And this is true on the internet. And it became, it started in American society. Before, uh, it started in the 1950s, actually, in meaning taking us away from each other and making an insular society so that you go home and you hang out with yourself and then you find another person, you go out for a while, you find another person, you bring them into the same home, you hang out at home together, um, consuming uh, cable and internet, you have a kid or two who stays home all the time. And really what we should be doing is we should be hanging out with our neighbors we should be hanging out with each other and not allowing these companies to manipulate us. You know, I have two cell phones now. I bought a second cell phone for social media. It has no SIM card in it. It only has Wi-Fi. And all my social media, I have Facebook. I'm not going to delete it because I, I, I do post to it maybe I will get rid of it at some point. I have Twitter and G plus and LinkedIn and they're on a separate phone. If I don't have Wi-Fi, they can't interrupt me. Right. Um, there is no Instagram update unless I have Wi-Fi. So if I'm at some place and I turn on the public Wi-Fi, do I use public Wi-Fi? Yeah, I do. There are times that I really don't care. I, do I want my Facebook hacked? Not particularly. Uh, do I care if it happens? It would be annoying. Or maybe I just delete it. The same with Twitter. Right. I mean, I put, out, I put out a tweet. I got close to 15,000 followers. I put out a tweet. I get seen by 150 people. That's it. What's yeah. the point? Yeah. I know Twitter is limiting what I see and who sees what I tweet. Um, it 
basically limits me to the last 200 people that I interacted with. Um, and this is true because I have some of the right people following me and I follow them. I also follow the left, but that doesn't count in Twitter terms. It's the right. The um, Twitter, Twittersphere is trying to boot conservative thought off of its network. Um, so uh, basically, um, things are being shut down. I sh did I share with you the uh, Russian troll? No. Yeah, I found a Russian troll that's that it, troll that's anti-Trump. Um, it operates a website and uh, that's supposedly a non-for-profit organization in the United States. It's not really registered as a non-for-profit, and the people that are like the president of the organization are all pictures from Shutterstock. Okay. <laughs> I found the president. He's He's actually on Shutterstock. That's crazy. <laughs> I'll send it to you on Twitter. It's oh, really wow. kind of funny. Wow. Uh, I'm not sure what to do with that. Again, my URL is tripelix.com. T-R-I-P-E-L-I-X.com. Uh, you can find me on, on uh, every form of social media. I'm on Reddit every once in a while. Um, I'm on Twitter most of the time. Um, I use Facebook sometimes. Uh, I post to everything, but mostly I post to my own website. Um, and by the way, do get, um, uh, browsing without being tracked off my website. Make sure that if you got kids, make sure that they got all shields up. Right. Uh, when they play their games, you might have to turn a couple of the trackers or blockers off in order for some things to work. You can figure that out rather quickly, what is doing it uh, for that site, and it'll always be that way. Disney has some trackers on it um, that you need to adjust. So yeah. does um, so does Marvel Comics uh, stuff. Um, you got to unblock some of their stuff in order to make it work for adults like SoundCloud. You know what that is? Yeah. I used to have my podcast on SoundCloud. Yeah. SoundCloud is a, sells everything to a data broker. So they pop up on as a, um, as a no, no site on a lot of these, it'll block SoundCloud. And I yeah. actually talk about that in my doc because I like SoundCloud, so I have to unblock it okay. for for sites. So yeah, this is an incredible document. Again, um, I'll link this out, and it is browse without being tracked. Uh, the dangers of the internet begin with corporate America. So thank you for putting that together. And with our discussion, I mean, we we covered a lot of areas, and I think I'm feeling much more informed and and corrected empowered empowered and it's weird you should be empowered and i do um, I, I do i feel empowered and i i 
I definitely, and, and the talking heads on TV of saying, you should go online. And this was this, was this morning. Um, everybody should go online if they have kids under 18 and request a credit report and just look over to see if anything is out of the ordinary. Um, and, and your advice, you know, to that is, is, is much more, um, relevant and, and we'll, we'll turn it ba- off, basically turn it off instead of this one, this one time check, which does it's, it's sampling, you know, running waters at, w- at one point. And what you're doing is you're saying, no, you just put this letter together and shut it down until, you know, that they are age 18. So I, yeah. And, and the history that we we've covered, um, and I, th- the, the other part too is I think people, immediately when they hear about hackers, they think bad hackers, bad hackers are the people who are, it's like, no, you know, that's, that's maybe, you know, part of people who decide to do criminal activities through that. But hackers are also people who are identifying. Here's the things you got to correct. You know, the, the thing about hackers is look, there are in every group, there are bad actors. I mean, there are bad police too, but, Bad hackers don't kill people. Um, we protect everybody's network. We report viruses. We report Susnet. If you want to see um, weaponized viruses, look that up. Susnet. Um, I'll uh, shoot you a, a link and you can post it to your crowd on uh, that virus. Okay. Uh, there's a movie about it, a couple movies on YouTube that are free uh, about the weaponized virus that was manufactured to destroy the centrifuges in Iran. Oh, okay, gotcha. Um, that uh, was released on the wild, um, meaning that it passed through computers that here were infected with it so that they would eventually get to their target. Um, there are other things too. And, you know, the, the, the thing that really gets me though, when you talk about hackers and that is if I go into your machine and I steal your documents or I break into a bank and I electronically send myself money, yes, I, have committed a crime. But if a company breaks into your personal machine and copies your documents or puts a piece of software on your machine to track your actions, it's just marketing, excuse me? Yeah. Where is Rico? It doesn't make sense. These are major corporations. This is organized crime. You know what the difference is between a company and the mafia anyway? I don't. Registration. Registration. Okay. Really? The difference between a criminal group and a company is really just registering with the government. When we're talking about computers and data, they are the same. These guys are stealing from us. And it's not okay. 
Two years ago, I went to Hope. That's Hackers on Planet Earth. It's held every two years in New York City. And I stood in front of a in front of a group of hackers after listening to another know it attorney tell us that privacy is over, not explain that data broker again that data brokers and the way the constitution works of companies versus government spying and platforms. Tell us that privacy is over. And I got a microphone and said, follow me. My name is Trip Elix. I'm going to sue these guys. I got a standing ovation. Wow. And I plan on it. And I've been working on it. How you can support me is go out to my website or go on to Amazon and buy my books. Tell other people that you heard this podcast or videocast. Share that document that I created. Stop these guys from tracking what you do and start watching your footprint. Make the footprint that you want to make. I want you to go out and pick the next, the first of the month, the second of the month, the third of the month. I want you to go pick out the car of cars. The car that you would want to buy that is more money than you would ever afford. Right. And I want you to look at that. I want you to take and download a picture of that car and make it your desktop. (laughs) Because you can have that car. And you can have anything in your life. You might have to work hard for it. I'm not saying that you can't get it because of work. But I want you to do this for two reasons. One is there was somebody over your shoulder watching you do that. Right. And they're going to send you encouragement. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Fun stuff, isn't it? It is. Trip my car is eleven years old, so when when people were time. So yeah, so is mine. (laughs) Well, I want to thank you for your time. And thank you for having me on. And again, I am the browse without being tracked um document that that you put together which is available from your site and we will make sure that we have that linked out um i do a a comprehensive blog post that goes along with every show um it is incredible i mean trip this this is a gift to people if they don't take the time to go through it it's 20 pages um total and you know you you have the images and the step by step i mean this thing is amazing so you i mean this is yes um people please browse without being tracked it is it yeah, is yeah just free. follow the wi- follow the wizard follow the <laughs> wizard and then in addition uh you know i've done so much with schools but what trip is going to bring um with school safety is what you will never hear in a school assembly when they're going to talk to you about, you know, you have to make sure that if you ask your um, 
child what they're browsing, you know, that you can have a safe conversation about browsing or something like this, or here's what social media was, here's what it is. Those will be so sanitized and generic and go in and understand and also understand the uh, building a digital profile. And that schools right now, what they're talking about is, is it's just, um, don't use social media to bully your friend and, and don't be involved in sexting and things like this. And we're missing this whole other piece. Trip provides that. Um, his stuff is great, folks. I mean, and I know a little bit more about his his background and conversations we've had. He's the real deal. So, um, Trip, you know, I'm a fan. I appreciate the work that you've done in helping empower people, keep people safe, and especially helping keep kids safe and telling parents, hey, here are some tools. Here are some definite ways in a short amount of time you can significantly increase your child's safety and then also help your child to have this awesome digital profile when they want to go into post-secondary or do anything down the road. So when people are bringing that information up, they're like, wow, this is awesome. So, you know, Tripp, just thanks a lot. And um, I will be periodically sending you little emails as other things uh, pop up throughout the news and just say, hey, what's your your thought on (laughs) on this? Now we have... This has been the Safety Doc Podcast with author, radio show host, and leading safety expert, Dr. David Perodin. Remember to check back each week for the latest, best, and most bizarre practices in safety preparation and crisis response. You can find Dr. Perodin on Twitter at SafetyPhD. And remember, the truth will keep you safe.